And the title of my message today, and I'm sure my son Jameson can preach this message. As you are traveling around, you get to three or four messages you preach, and, uh, but I really like this one. Uh, I know Dr. Comfort, when he's preached to thousands of children, I'm sure over the years, high schools, and I know that uh, he wrote a book, Youth in Crisis, uh, Conflict, and I was looking at the book and I saw, oh, Dr. Comfort preached on Josiah. That's a great uh, passage to preach to young people, and we get a lot of times to preach to young people in, in schools um, and uh, in churches too, but I just love this message of Josiah. I've added a little bit today. Um, I don't think I've preached it here, um, but today's message is called The Life and Godly Example of King Josiah, His Surrender and His Zeal, and we're going to turn to Second Chronicles 34, 1 and 2. If you turn there with me, we'll stay pretty much there. And I can't remember if I gave an introduction to this, but I want to say it again, that our country is uh, in deep trouble, isn't it? And I'm sure all through every ages, even the 60s and the 70s, you know, you can see the problems of the day, but it seems to get worse and worse. And, um, you know, we, we talk about, as a way of introduction, we talk about uh, the political uh, scene is how to make America great again. I know uh, Reagan used that, and uh, Mr. Trump's using that too. And I would probably argue that uh, not just voting for a person or voting for a congressman or a senator is going to make America great again. It's much more than that because we know that after four years, it can go right back to the, uh, the devil and his plans. But um, we need to make America great by, by soul winning, don't we? By preaching, by being in our place, by being a light wherever God has you. That is what is going to make our country great. Because when somebody gets saved, they vote right, don't they? And the community turns back. And of course we want to vote right. But we need to be soul winners, don't we? And I mention that because um, it's taken us, Heather and I, many years just to, be, to learn about, you know, being constant and soul winning and in our 30s and 40s and much more now. Uh, but, and I might have given this story, but I'll, I'll give it again because I think it's a good story. But I worked at Chick-fil-A for eight years, and I was your main counter guy as I was getting my master's. And I did a little bit of management and other things. But I would take about 100 uh, people's orders every night. Uh, families would come in, take your order. Brother Josh would come in. I don't know if you ever came to Chick-fil-A. But, uh, I would take your order. Then I would tell you how many orders you took. And I worked about 20 days a month. I worked eight years, uh, 96 months. And I did the calculations just by doing it every day. I served over 100,000 people to way over, probably 150, uh, maybe even close to 200, but uh, probably 150 to 100,000 people uh, there in Gaffney, South Carolina, uh, right on the highway of 85. So there was people all over America coming to Chick-fil-A. I got to meet a lot of great people. Uh, I can just start a conversation up and, and learn about your life in two or three minutes, and they can learn about my life. You just ask questions. Everybody's got a story. But the very sad fact about this is uh, that I only received two gospel tracts 
uh, over those 150,000 people got to the point where I was just really being burdened. And uh, one, one, uh, one lady, I can just still remember, one lady was in her 50s, and she really didn't even say anything. She just kind of just gave me something. It was a track. I thank the Lord for that. Uh, and one guy gave me a rock. He said, Jesus is the rock. I didn't count that one, though. So, uh, And then another, it got to be Laura's years. It was like, year, nobody's giving me a track. And then one guy I was talking to, this gentleman, older gentleman, and had a good conversation with him. And uh, him, this, uh, people behind him was a husband and wife in their 50s. And uh, he said, Mike, how are you doing? He saw my name, Plate. And he said, uh, gave his order. And then he said, uh, I got a gift for you. And it happened to be a track. And I almost uh, gave the guy a hug. I almost came, came across the counter and gave him a hug. And, uh, but it was very sad. And it makes me really uh, make sure that I have my tracks ready with me. Uh, and as I've gone out, and Brother Schrock will go out, uh, you meet uh, lots of people. And uh, we've been over, over 118 churches. And if the average church is 100 people, uh, we've been able to talk to about 10,000 people. And, uh, but I've had a lot of people uh, tell me that, hey, they got saved on a track, uh, or a John or Romans, or a Bible. So uh, we need to make sure we get God's word out. I like to give our John or Romans out that we make. I think it's really, uh, 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 I'll brag on Brother Gary. He probably doesn't want me to brag on him, but I, th I do think we make the best John or Romans, uh, the thickness of the paper and the cover of it, because um, I've seen a lot, but... So I want to encourage you to be a missionary where you're at. You might not be a vocational missionary, but uh, we got Columbus here to reach, don't we? Uh, we got uh, your neighborhood, and we really don't have an excuse to complain about our country unless we're trying to reach people for the Lord. Um, so that's just my uh, little commercial on that. I got a little extra uh, minutes, but we are a Christian nation. I want to give these two quotes uh, and I might have given before, but John Winthrop, uh, the second governor of the Plymouth, uh, he said this, For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all the people are upon us. See that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the whole world. And we don't want that, do we? We want to be that city upon a hill. Even though our things are getting worse and worse every year, uh, we still have our duty uh, to pray for our country and to try to reach them. Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he didn't mince any words, did he? That would be a good biography to read, Patrick Henry. He's a good guy. <clears throat> George Washington said, uh, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. And it goes on and on. So what makes our country great? Well, it was uh, observed by a man named uh, Alexis de Tocqueville. He was 1831-32 uh, before the Civil War. And he was a Frenchman, but he looked at America and he said, there's something 
different about America, him being a Roman Catholic, I'm sure. And uh, he says, I'm going to, he was a French diplomat to America, so he says, I'm going to write a book about the democracy in America and really find out what makes this nation tick, what makes America great, as we say. And he wrote this in Democracy in America 1 and 2, which is a famous book uh, to read. Uh, he said, I look for the greatness of America in its harbors, in its rivers, in its fertile lands, and I didn't find the greatness of America there. I looked in its rich lands, its commerce, and its forests, in its schools, democracy, and constitution. And he said this, and you might know this quote, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good, and if America ceases to be good, she'll be cease to be great. So what makes America great is the churches, is the Bible-preaching churches and the preachers and us to be faithful in our place, isn't it? And we need to make America great by leading others to the Lord. So that's my little commercial about that. But we need to pray for our country. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. And you might think, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, but we need to pray for the abortions going on in our country because God's going to have to uh, deal with that, isn't he? We need to pray for our country. But let's turn to Josiah. And being a missionary, we're all missionaries. We all need to reach our neighborhoods and where we go to get coffee and uh, if you go to the McDonald's and you keep giving them a John Romans, tell them to say, give this to the cook in the back. Just keep flooding them. But we need to be zealous and we need to be surrendered to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to uh, live a godly life. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to give out God's word. And just like Josiah, we see in 2 Chronicles 34, 1 and 2, and my proposition is this, we as disciples and missionaries must be surrendered and zealous for the gospel of Jesus Christ. King Josiah was surrendered and zealous to serve the Lord in his day. And, you know, we're serving the Lord in our day, aren't we? And someday our day is going to be up. Uh, you're going to be on, the, on, your, on our backs and our, our deathbed. I, had, you know, I hate to be morbid about that, but someday our day will be up. And we need to make sure that we're being busy in our day just as Josiah was very busy in his day to serve the Lord. Who was Josiah? Uh, let's look at him in his heritage. Josiah, the Hebrew name, uh, says jo, means jo, Jehovah heals. And he's the 18th king of Judah. And, uh, you know, they needed a lot of healing back then as you look about who his father was. It was King Ammon. And his grandfather was King Manasseh. You might know a little bit about Manasseh. He was the longest reigning king for 55 years, but he did very wicked. Uh, considered more wicked than the heathen, as the heathen kings. Even the heathen before they came into the land. The Lord described Manasseh. He would uh, throw his children into the fire uh, and uh, polluted the temple with, with idols. A very wicked king. He would later... The Lord would get a hold of him, take him into captivity. He would repent. Uh, is Manasseh in heaven? The, we, the Lord knows. We'll see that someday. I know he repented. I pray that he is. But the damage was done, isn't it? 
And if you live an ungodly life and you say, well, someday I'm going to repent, someday I'm going to live for the Lord, well, there's going to be seeds to sow, right? Seeds that will come up. And uh, it affected the whole nation. And that nation needed a lot of healing at that time, just as our country needs healing, doesn't it? You can't kill a million babies and not have hurt uh, within those that are participating in that. And the blood that runs through the, through the streets uh, from our uh, abortion mills. We need to pray for each state now. Uh, but he, he was known for his De- Deuteronomic reforms and revival and removing uh, official worship of gods other than Yahweh. He reigned 31 years, 641 to 610. And we've said before he had an evil heritage. And I won't go and read about that, but uh, Ammon was, his dad was assassinated because he was perpetuating what his father Manasseh was doing, and his wickedness got worse and worse, and the people of, the, uh, of Judah assassinated him, uh, and then uh, after he died, then people assassinated those that assassinated king. So there was a lot of turmoil in the land, a lot of paganism, a lot of uh, idols, and uh, what we see with Josiah, 2 Chronicles 34, 1 and 2, we'll read that. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. So what do we see there? We see that Josiah couldn't walk as his father, didn't say... Josiah walked in his father's ways, in Ammon's ways. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't look to Manasseh. He didn't walk in the ways of Manasseh. Uh, he decided he didn't want to do that. Maybe he had some godly people around him. I know Jeremiah was a contemporary of that time. Uh, maybe he saw the turmoil of his father being assassinated. And uh, he's, he, as a young boy, uh, decided not, maybe he had a godly mother, uh, but he, as a young boy, decided, I'm not going to walk as my father and my, my grandfather. And we can't blame our lives for our past uh, heritage, can we? I praise the Lord that my parents were saved. I got saved at the, uh, uh, by, with my mother at age six and uh, uh, lived in Bay City there, a very Roman Catholic city. Uh, I wondered why the kids were so mean when I got in kindergarten, but it was just... Uh, they were just tough kids, but I uh, uh, thank the Lord for, they went to Bob Jones for three semesters. They would say that was some of the best, my dad would always say this, it was the best investment that he had, uh, even just those three semesters. Got to meet Bob Jones Sr. back in the 60s. But I thank the Lord for my godly heritage. My father's passed on. Uh, but uh, Josiah didn't have that, and we have a responsible for our own lives, aren't we? Uh, we can't go to heaven on our parents' Uh, coattails is going to, uh, walking that narrow way is like going through a turn uh, st- still, or going through that turn still. You have to go through that uh, only one at a time. And we need to do right in the sight of the Lord. Josiah did right. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Are we doing right in the sight of the Lord? Well, God sees our sins, doesn't he? We might be able to hide him, and I'm sure there's a sense that we all try to keep things uh, right before the Lord, and we need to ask the Lord for forgiveness every day, don't we? 
Just as Jesus before his disciples washing their feet, and he would get to Peter, and Peter says, no, I don't want my feet washed by you. And Jesus said, well, you can't be a part of me. And Peter says, wash my whole body. He says, you're washed already. I believe the interpretation is you are saved. But as we walk through this earth, we need to get our feet washed every day, don't we? Need to get, we're all sinners saved by the blood of Jesus. But even Hagar confessed, thou, God, seest me. And God sees us. And he climbed neither to the right hand nor to the left. And we need to walk on God's paths, don't we? Uh, we do that by staying in God's word every day. We need to pray. Uh, I'm enjoying reading with my wife in the Psalms every day. I've got a little more time now. Uh, we need to have a time to get along with God, don't we? And I have my special place. Uh, I like to go outside, and you might know this about me, but I like to start a bonfire when I can and get my coffee, and, and I see the little chipmunks and the bluebirds, and I uh, get myself situated, I get my prayer list, pray for our church, uh, go through my reading, I try to at least read a chapter a day, and I just love being outside and meditating and asking the Lord, what would you have me to do today? What would you have me to do this week? And uh, that's where I go to the Lord. But are we walking on those paths? We need to have a daily uh, time with God. Psalms 119.1, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And as he couldn't follow his, his father or his grandfather, he, he followed David, as it says right here. He walked in the ways of David, verse 2. His father declined neither to the right hand to the left. Now, that was 18 generations, but I'm sure through oral, uh, oral tradition, they told him that there was a great king that he had in his lineage, and his name was David. And he uh, walked according to David, the things that David did. And are we walking? Are we have Psalms 86, 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. And David walked in the truth. We need to walk in the old paths, don't we? Jeremiah 6, 16, Let us walk like Josiah in the old paths. And Jeremiah was a contemporary to Josiah, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. And I think about uh, singing of the hymns or some of the old paths, uh, just, just reverent worship and uh, not uh, crazy fire as you see in a lot of contemporary churches going on. And I just think we need to walk in the old paths. I think about the Lord Jesus, how he was compared. We, we can do parallels between Josiah and, and David, but what's the parallel between Josiah and Jesus? Well, Luke, uh, in a young life of Jesus Christ, uh, he was, of course, the Son of God, perfect. But Luke 2.40 says, And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And I think about what's going on at Master's Club tonight. You know, I think that's great where our children can uh, memorize Scripture and be excited. I think of Mike and my son out there. How are our children growing? Are, growing, are they growing in the Spirit? Is the grace of God upon our children? Is the grace upon God upon us? You can't expect the grace of God to be on our children if the grace of God is not upon us. And we need to uh, uh, pray for our children and we think of Luke 2, 42 and 52. That's where Jesus was in the temple. I don't have time to get into that. But Jesus said, 
as his parents came back and to find him. And I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've missed my children for like when they get lost, maybe for a few minutes and you, that panic comes over you. But for three days, they couldn't find Jesus. And he comes to, back to the temple and he says uh, to his mother, wist thou that I must be about my father's business. Even as a young boy at age 12, he was concerned about doing his father's business. And are we doing that? I guess the question, are we doing God's business? We need to be, don't we? My second uh, point here, Josiah was zealous and surrendered in seeking after God. So uh, this, and I'm sure Dr. Comfort has just preached this. He started at age eight. It keeps giving the ages here. Sometimes I'll quiz the kids to see if they're uh, listening uh, as we do the math here. But 2 Chronicles 34.3 and uh, says in the eighth year, am I doing right? Let me see. Yeah, eighth year. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, so he is 16. I love how it comes out here. He started at age eight. Uh, he reigns for eight years, I'm sure, with... Uh, Uh, People around him, uh, helping him govern right. And while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And he started to seek. He started to pursue. That word seek is pursuing. And as he's pursuing to try to catch, that means he's trying to catch in a pursuit. As you try to catch your wife, you pursue your wife, don't you? Uh, I did that. I pursued my wife. You try to pursue other things as you you, uh, mature. Uh, it could be in work or in the ministry. But he was seeking after God at age 8, at age 16, excuse me. And I'd have to ask you the question, what were you doing at age 16? I know I was getting in a lot of trouble. I was a Christian, uh, but I had my fair share of getting in trouble. Uh, a couple times the police had to come to my house and for things we've done. And uh, I don't have a record, but uh, uh, that was not fun. Uh, Sometimes, well, sometimes throwing snowballs at cars and things like that. But anyways, I had my problems. And, uh, but you know what? Josiah didn't do that. He sought the Lord, didn't he? He pursued after God. And are we pursuing after God? Are you pursuing after God? And our lives, we need to count our days, don't we? Because our time is very short. Uh, before you know it, uh, you're at your 40th high school reunion. I, I, don't, I haven't never gone to my reunions, but they're celebrating the 40th. And it just flies by. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And we need to seek the Lord uh, even in our Christian life. Uh, but those that are not saved or seek him for, for God's answer, what he wants us to do. And uh, because there's going to be a time when we won't be able to seek him, isn't it? When our life is over. I think of my father. He died on Christmas Day. Uh, I think five years ago, and he was 75, but he has no longer time. He, I believe he's in heaven. He's a Christian. Uh, but he doesn't have a time to seek after or to serve the Lord uh, because he is in heaven. Heather's father worked 25 years in the Durham Rescue Mission, and his time is done. He is in heaven. He died uh, almost a year ago. But we need to seek after God. We need to pursue God just like Josiah did uh, Psalms 42.1, I told uh, Pastor Capel, I've got a lot of psalms for him, so hopefully he's smiling inside. There's that smile, okay. Psalms 42.1, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Are we thirsty to pursue God, 
to know God and uh, know about him and in his word. I think about um, with Dr. Childs, one of my favorite teachers, ambassador, and he would teach us uh, even to his way, way into his uh, 80s, but he would say, uh, as you read God's word, preach Psalms 119, uh, uh, pray Psalms 119.18, uh, and that is, open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we've been doing that, I've been doing that for five years, and it's just great to find something new on God's word, isn't it? Uh, and ask the Lord to show me, because God's word is uh, eternally deep, isn't it? When you go to Bible school, you learn out how much you don't know. And uh, they give you the tools to help digging. But are we, second point, are we seeking after God? Are we walking after God? My first point, are you seeking after God like Josiah was? Uh, you know, Jesus sought after the Lord. He's, of course, the Son of God, uh, the Son of Man. But he's, we can see by his life that he sought the Lord faithfully. We can see in the local synagogue. You think about what did Jesus do uh, from age 12 to age 30? It's really kind of silent, isn't it? We assume that he worked with uh, jo Joseph, uh, probably took over the family business. But as I was praying that, the Lord showed me something, something he was, something we could find out what he was doing every week. And Luke 4:16 says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. This is before he was to announce uh, to his local church that he was the Son of God and the Messiah. But one thing that's kind of interesting, it was interesting to me, that uh, the Bible shows that we do know what he did every, every week. He went to church. He was faithful in his synagogue. And to, uh, to read the Bible and to, to worship and pray and we need not to miss uh, being in church, don't we? Uh, it's a blessing to be in church. And uh, so are we seeking? My third point, Josiah was surrendered and zealous to fight against sin. And that sin during the day was idolatry. Second Chronicles 34, 3, B, and 7, through 7. And in the 12th year... He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten image. He's only 20 years old, 12 years and eight. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on high above them. He cut down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces, made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them and he burnt the bones of the priests upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Let's go to verse 7. And he had broken down the altars and the groves and beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout the land of Israel. He returned to Jerusalem. And he got serious. Uh, and as he was showing the God that he was pursuing God, he was walking after God, God gave him a job. And that's usually how it happens, isn't it? When we start to surrender and say, Lord, I want to serve you. I, I remember when I went to... Uh, uh, Calvary Baptist Church there in Midland, Michigan, and uh, got back from uh, Liberty. I went there for about four years, and I, one thing Dr. Falwell said, he said, when you get home, get involved in your local church. I mean, he just drilled that into us. And uh, in, my, in my high school years, I really didn't do much in the local church. My dad sang, and uh, we just wanted to get home, really, just watch the baseball game, football game, and I just didn't really serve the Lord. And uh, But after going to Christian college, I 
I uh, talked to Pastor Dan Dickerson, I know Dr. Comfort, Ms. Comfort knows him, and I said, I really, I want, I was single, and I want to get involved in my local church, and they put me to work, and that's where I started, uh, I was, they told me, we want you to start a bus ministry, and I didn't know how to do a bus ministry, so they, they directed me to a man named Pat Bolton, uh, Midland Baptist Church there in Midland, and for two hours, we sat there, and we took notes on how to start a bus ministry. And uh, we would go out in 1991 and knock on doors and look for bikes. And, and I really felt like I was a missionary. You know, it was really cool. Uh, hey, I could be a missionary to Sanford, Michigan. And I just really got involved in it. We had about 50 youth. There was no youth pastor, so I got to take them all. And we had uh, every other week we'd go. And uh, I remember January, the first Sunday of January, it was, it was bitter cold. And there in Michigan, we cranked up the bus uh, at 7 a.m. and we picked up 12 children, and I had donuts for them. I would go buy day-old donuts at Dawn Donuts, and uh, those kids were hungry, but uh, they <laughs> gave donuts. And, uh, but eight of those children got saved, and I was just, wow, this is so neat. I've never been involved in something like this. And uh, I didn't lead those children to the Lord. I just got them to Sunday school, and it just really changed my life. We'd be bus director for the next eight years there in Mid Midland, and come down south and, and serve the Lord in different capacities. Uh, but are, you, are we uh, fighting? Do we have a job to do? He fought idolatry. Uh, and it's very neat. I've never knew this until I started to look into this, that his name was foretold. 1 Kings 3, 13, 1, 1 and 2. Let's turn it there. We're going to kind of wind down here. But you might know this, I did not know this until my 50s, that Josiah's name was foretold 300 years before he was born. And I was amazed to find that. I could not believe I missed that. Uh, 1 Kings 13, 1 and 2, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. So this is the time of Solomon. And Rehoboam is in the, in the, in the north, uh, south, uh, son of Solomon. Rehoboam is in the north. The, the, the uh, country is divided. And Jeroboam, uh, the thinking was that he didn't want the people to go up to Jerusalem because they would repent. So he started his own religion. He had two altars, one in the north and one in the south, there in northern Israel. And God sends a man of God to condemn this to Jeroboam, the first king of Israel, of the split kingdom. And he cried against the altar, verse 2, in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places, and burn incense upon thee, and the men's bones shall be burnt unto thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes are upon it. It shall be poured out. So uh, did Josiah kind of know about that prophecy? I don't believe he did. Because the word of God, got, it got so pagan in the land, as you look into the story a little bit later, that the word of God was, it was God knew where the word was. It was, it was hidden by some priests in the temple. But it was not in regular use. You can tell by the astonishment of Josiah and those that were fixing the temple. But uh, God uh, had that prophecy, and it came forth. I just thought, I just want to share that with you. I just thought that was so cool. 
Uh, so, are we guilty of idolatry in America? Yes, we are. I, I did commercial pest control, and I would, uh, for 15 years, and I would service uh, hotels, which are typically owned by the Indi uh, Indian people from India, and I would uh, get, I never knew that until I got into the business, but i walk around the counter and do my thing, killing bugs, and I would see a little idol there, and they're burning incense to a, a little god. I'm like, wow, idols, enough real idols in America. That's, that's sad. And I would do Vietnamese restaurants and Chinese restaurants and see a little Buddha. Uh, but we have our own idols too, don't we? We have the idols of uh, comfort and wealth and money, and it's so easy. You've got to be very careful. It's nothing wrong with having a home or a car or money in the bank. Uh, but when it comes between us and the Lord, then that's a problem, isn't it? If we're on the lake on Sunday when we should be in church, that's when the boat is becoming an idol, uh, when we're not trusting the Lord. And the Lord's very jealous. Deuteronomy 6, 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. God's a jealous God, isn't he? Uh, just like I'm jealous of my wife and she's jealous of me. Those are good jealousies. But we need to... Uh, Put away the idols in our lives. Politics, following politics can be an idol. Sports can be an idol. A 401k. But is it becoming between you and the Lord? Uh, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol. Cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And that's what he did. He got rid of the idols. He had a reform, almost like a militant, uh, as he was a general, and he said, I'm going to clean out this. I got the power to do it. And he cleaned out the land. As you have the power to clean out your house, don't you? You might have the power to clean out your phone. There might be some social media that you need to get rid of, uh, uh, or an app, or a TV set, or a channel. That's between you and the Lord. But we need to clean out the idols in our lives. Uh, fourthly, Josiah was surrendered and zealous to work for the house of God. So he was 20, and we see this in 2 Chronicles 34, 8. He's going to be 26 now. And I got to turn back. All right. Excuse me. Let me see. 2 Chronicles 34, uh, 8. Now in the 18th of his year reign, so he's 26 now, when he had purged the land in the house, he sent Shaphim, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to do what? To repair the house of the Lord. He cleans out the pagans, the idols, and in the land, now it's time to repair the, the church. And uh, most of the churches, all the churches we go are usually taken care of real well. But for over 60 years, uh, the, the temple was in bad repair. And they put, uh, they went, he raised money through the, all of Israel, verse 9. And when they came to Hilkiah the priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and all the remnant of Israel and all, all of Judah and Benjamin they returned to Jerusalem. He went through all the land, 
They put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and mend the house. And Josiah had a love for the temple, just as Jesus did. We know Jesus had a, 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 he would clean out the temple. And do you have a love for God's house? We know David did. Psalms 27, 4, he writes, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I may seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And I just, of course, love to be in God's house, as you do. You're here on Wednesday nights. Isn't it great to be in God's house? Uh, To pray for others, to hear God's word preached, and to inquire, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do this week? What do you, how do you want me to change? Uh, change? And, and David said, and to inquire, ask questions in his temple. And what is your work for the Lord? Do you have uh, a job in the church? Are you a member? Um, I would say talk to Pastor Capel. He'll find some work for you to do. We all need to be working in God's house, don't we? And finally, Josiah was zealous and surrendered to the word of God. This is my final point. 2 Chronicles 34, 18 and 19. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, hath given me a book. Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. So the word of the word was hidden away, I would say hidden. It wasn't lost. God knew where it was. God has promised to preserve his word for each generation, hasn't he? And we need to uh, stick with God's word. We need to uh, defend God's word. So many uh, Christians want to water down God's word, don't they? They want to promote new translations that have whole verses taken out of them. Uh, In the ESV, there's whole verses taken out. Uh, You know, Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So every word is caught out of God's mouth, isn't it? So we know that God will preserve every word. And I won't go too deep into that, but uh, we need to stand on God's word. We need to protect. Uh, God will protect his own world, but we need to make sure we're using the right word when we preach and we pass it out. Uh, just as Jesus said, and even the one jot or one tittle will not pass in no wise from the law till all be fulfilled. Uh, and he trembled at the word. Uh, he was trying his best to do what he knew to do, right? And he, got, he gets God's word. It's, it's read to him from Deuteronomy, and he finds out he's not keeping the feast. It hurt him so much that he rent his clothes uh, in remorse. He wasn't keeping the Passover. Isaiah 66, 2. But to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of contrite spirit that trembleth at my word. And I'll uh, read one more. Psalms 119, 161. Princes are persecuting you without a cause, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. And that word all in the Hebrew actually means to tremble. Uh, that we are not to be fearful of God's word, but to have it in such reverence that we would not want to violate God's word. And uh, just as if your, your father gave you something to do, you would want to violate that. And do we stand in awe of God's word? 
It transformed Josiah. He would later uh, have one of the greatest Passovers recorded in 2 Chronicles 35, 18. But it was said of Josiah, he finished strong. I know uh, Dr. Comfort has mentioned this and that he wants to finish strong. And I've heard him say that many times. And we all want to finish strong, don't we? We don't want to uh, stumble and have Satan trip us up. Josiah finished strong in the Lord, considered by the word of God, he was a great king, not if not one of the greatest. 2 Kings 23, 25 says, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might. According to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. That's some pretty high uh, accolades, isn't it? And what will God say about our lives? Can we have something said like that? Are we walking? Are we seeking? Are we fighting against sin? Are we working for God? Do you love God's word? Not to disobey it. And very simply, 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be, Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And I will close in prayer with that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of Josiah and how we can look at some of these great kings that were confident and courageous, these kings of Judah. Think of uh, Josiah and Hezekiah, uh, these great uh, Hebrew kings. And help us, they were like David and like Jesus uh, later to come, Lord, the greater king of Judah. And Lord, help us in our daily life. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.